Welcome to day three of I Am Talks 2018 Kona Super Specials. Alrighty, team, welcome along to day three of Iron Talks 2018 Kona Super Specials. Of course, John Newsom, Bivin James, I was here again, mate. Pretty good, Bivin. Starting to get a little fatigued on it. I'm in the wall. In the last <laughs> interview we did, it was a great interview, which you're not going to hear for a few weeks from now. I was, I, was, I was finding myself yawning. You can't do the yawn. We can't. You can't we're... yawn myself. And there was no reflection on in the interview because she was amazing. But I was just, I think I need a nap after this. The finish line is in sight. We've done the hard yards now. Yeah. It's Thursday. Friday's a much easier day for us, and then we crank it up again on Saturday. So it's all good, though. We've got some good content for you guys today. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, go, John. Sponsors for the Kona Super Specials. Endurance Sports Travel. We actually have an interview, a quick interview with Ken tomorrow, but we've actually interviewed him for a longer form that we're going to release in a couple of weeks. He's done 35 consecutive Ironmans. Kona, it's not consecutive uh, not, Yeah, Kona's. exactly. And I was saying, I, I don't know exactly, 35 plus 18 is about 53, isn't it? Yeah, so imagine going to 2015, turning up and doing the same race every year. Mm. That's pre- Especially because you've got to qualify. I'm you know, hearing you. Yeah, so we, if you want to go for amazing travel with one of the legends of the sport, well organised, check out Endurance Sports Travel. Huso uh, is a device to help you be relaxed and help you be stressless, and you can check mm-hmm. that out. Oh, John. It's okay. Sorry. You, that's what you found out? Oh, yeah, it's okay. Pro, mate. I know you're a teenage girl, but turn yeah. your phone off. Uh, Huso, so what's the, what's the website, John? This is uh, Huso. This is Huso.com, and you're going to have an interview on today's show, and you're going to, we've been trying to explain what it is, but now we have the expert, Bill, who's going to be talking us through it, and it's something I'm looking forward to exploring a little bit more. Okay, we've also got Lava Java again. We went there for lunch this morning. Yeah, we, we, we're going the full spectrum, aren't we? So, oh, no, yeah. we haven't yet. We've done... We had lunch. So this morning was a brunch. Brunch. Really, I didn't had have the dinner. breakfast. Yours could have been lunch. Yes. And, and a dinner. And then race day. And tomorrow's meal. Yeah, race day, <laughs> we'll, we'll hit, the, hit the lunch as well, maybe even tomorrow. And we've got fantastic. Our, our traditional sponsor, Extreme Endurance. And our patrons. And thank you to all the patrons of the show. The patrons are the people who get us to Kona. So for the people who are listening to the show, you have to say a big thanks to the patrons because they've contributed some of their hard-earned money to support IM Talk. If you want to be a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. So, John, what's happening today? show we have kicking off with lucy charles went up to her palatial palace up on the hill the other day it was pretty cool it was a cool place very very high up uh bevan managed to nab uh, lionel sanders at the press conference um for a bit of a chin wag uh we also went to the team bmc uh press media conference um today we're gonna have patrick nelson uh and tomorrow we'll have a couple of the females we interviewed over there you're gonna hear uh huso interview so find out a bit more about that fantastic product and a little bit of age group action there at the end as well but before we get into the interviews today there was some news so we did go along to the press conference today it's you know what the guy who the MC is great I don't know his name uh, you keep chatting it'll come to me shortly yeah South African South African dude yeah he, um, he does a great job and, and you Paul know what K, Paul K Paul, Paul K, K Paul K did a great job and you know what the, the pros are great some great answers if anything the media needs to pull their socks up a little bit don't we Yes and no. I, th- I think the angle you're going from there, there wasn't many questions. There were two the questions, and one was from a ten year old boy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. But you know, a lot of people want to get the one on one time, and and so I guess they're waiting. And, and so for us, you know, we didn't ask any questions because yeah. we want to get some audio time. So uh, yeah, I didn't ask post, Lionel, Lionel. It's all about post race. I didn't it? ask Lionel Sanders the drunk question because I figured he's, he doesn't drink yes. based on his history, so I didn't go down that path. He was definitely the highlight. 
yeah, he was pretty entertaining. Uh, also, Rennie was pretty funny. And and was Sebastian Keenlay, you know, yeah. the, the um, MC sort of said, oh, do you, f- you know, do you think back to that win and does that motivate you? And he goes, no, not really, <laughs> uh, not at all. He focuses more on the times when he hasn't performed well and that's what gets him out of bed and, and uh, into training. Andrew Messick, at the beginning of the media conference, does a bit of a state of the sport. Uh, There's one piece of news, but fundamentally, before we talk about that, John, uh, the sport's in a pretty good place. Yeah, I think he said unique participants, and that's quite a good number because we often see, of course, there's going to be growth, there's lots more races, but in terms of unique participants, I think it was, 200, it was 250,000 or there, plus or minus ten or twenty thousand. Um, so that's cool to know the actual size of the audience that we've we've got out there, or no participant numbers. So that was very cool. Also, saying uh, some of their expansion plans, looking at doing a race in uh, Russia, looking at doing a race in India, yeah. and I think really looking at those new and emerging markets um, for their expansion. But record year for forty one Ironmans. They had a it was like a hundred and fifty for seventy point threes. So all their indicators were. were positive um, and, and going up. Uh, uh, so nice yeah. is a really popular destination for the World Championship. He was saying that looking at the amount of people who take the slot and how much it rolls down, that's how they kind of base this based on the stats, it is by far the most successful destination this, yeah. so far. So this is for Nice next year. For and then the big announcement uh, was where the 2020 uh, 70.3 World Championships is going to be held. It's coming to Aotearoa. Which is New Zealand for Which those who don't New know. Zealand. Pretty cool stuff. I did not expect it. I really thought it would go to Australia. Part of the rationale behind that was, you know, the timing. It's traditionally the race is in September yep. as, a, as a pre-Kona yeah, hit out. It's, it's, I didn't think about that. It's a great uh, point. And so you're thinking there's no way you, ca- you cannot have a triathlon in New Zealand in September, especially in Taupo. The lake would just be freezing. So it's going to be end of November. So it's going to be post-Kona. So, um, so I, I hadn't thought about that, John. So... What do you mean that, do you think that does to this, the level of the field? Because, you know, in September it was always perfect for Kona. Mm. You know, you got, you know, look at the, what we had a few weeks ago in South Africa. It was great quality field. All the rock stars, well, most of the rock stars were there. Post Kona? Yeah, I think it'll be a lot harder. Uh, you know, you are seeing a lot of 70.3 specialists coming through, not necessarily winning the race, because like this year, you know, you had Frodo, Ironman. Daniela Reef, Iron Woman, uh, and you had um, uh, who got if, uh, no Gomez. You know he's now an Iron, Iron Man. Man. Yep. But if you think maybe the year before, you know there's a lot more seventy point three athletes. You think like Emma Pallant. Yes, she's coming across to Iron Man. She finished second there. So there's a lot of seventy point three specialists that will still target it. Who you might lose is potentially someone like a Daniela Reef might not do it because they'll be uh, coming off Kona and and you know um, potentially like a Gomez or somebody somebody like that might might lose out. It'll still be a great event. But at the very pointy end, whether or not we have that Gomez, Fredino, etc. showdown, um, is remains to be seen. It's interesting. Yeah, well, it's going to be fascinating to watch that as we move forward. But pretty cool for New Zealand and Australasia because lots of Australians will come over. Um, and we did speak to the guys running the event, and they said that the courses will be slightly different to Ironman New Zealand. Mm. Um, even in the 70.3 version, the swim's slightly different. Uh, the bike course will be a little bit more challenging, have mm. a few more rollers in it. Uh, the run will be pretty much the same thing. So uh, we'll get you updated as we kind of hear more and more about that as it comes along. But pretty cool news overall. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get straight into the interview. So John and I are going to start. Here's Lucy Charles first up. Okay, we're very happy to have uh, Lucy Charles on the what show. What a spot, John. Look at this. I know. We're very high up. Tell us, we're, we're way above Kona here. So tell us a little bit about why you're, why you're so far up. 
Um, yeah, it's just nice to be sort of out of the heat. It's much cooler up here. We've got a great view, which helps. Um, and you're kind of just out of the busyness of town and you can come up here and chill out and relax and uh, just kind of not forget about the race, but just sort of take your mind off of things and relax. Well, how long before the race do you come? Um, so we've been here for a week and a half now. So normally I have like two weeks before the race to get acclimatised. And I feel like I've actually coped well with the heat this year, which has been good. So, um, yeah, I find two weeks is enough. Otherwise, it's kind of too long of a build up and you're just like, oh, my God, I want to race. Mm. So, yeah, it's a nice amount of time, I think. And I hear you nearly took out the, uh, the open water swim the other day on Saturday. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, I always use the Haloa swim as part of like my prep for the race. So it's kind of nice to see where you're at on pretty much the exact course we're going to race on. And uh, I always like to have a good race with the guys. So, uh, mm. yeah, it was really cool to be swimming with Josh Amberger and, uh, yeah, just kind of testing where I'm at. So, yeah, that was a good sign for the race, I think. I want to just ask you a little bit about your first Ironman because I looked it up. You did Ironman UK in 2014. You did a 51.56 in the swim, no surprises there. 6.55 on the bike and 4.17 on the run. You've come a long way. That was a 12-hour 16. Um, <laughs> how old were you and, and uh, how did that first one go? Um, so I was 20 when I did wow. Ironman UK. It was the year I was turning 21. So I was like, okay, that's a good year to, to do my first Ironman. And it was really just about finishing, to be honest. I was like, no matter what, I'm going to finish this. So uh, um, I had only kind of trained for not even a year, actually, for the race. Um, I got my bike that I was actually racing on about a month before. So that was my first time trial bike. And uh, yeah, it kind of escalated pretty quickly from that race. At 20, not many people were thinking about doing Ironman. How did it come onto your radar? Why was it appealing? Yeah, so, um, I mean, both Reese and I were elite level swimmers. Um, I was an open water swimmer and Reese was a sprint swimmer. So we both decided to do um, an open water swim race as part of like a British series at the end of 2013. It was about August time and we were like, we did so badly that we just basically went back to the hotel and were like, stuff this, I'm done with swimming, right, let's enter an Ironman. So it was so kind of spontaneous. Um, we entered an Ironman for the next year. We both thought we could do it on mountain bikes. We soon learned. <laughs> <laughs> we soon learned. No way can you do it on a mountain bike. But yeah, it was a very steep learning curve. I think we was lucky because Reese had a sports science degree, so he okay. could kind of give us a lot more help than I could. I just knew how to train hard, but he actually had the knowledge for the nutrition side and how we was actually going to train for it. So yeah, I think we were quite a good kind of dynamic between the both of us to train for this first one. And when you did that race, you know, like good first time kind of race. Did, did you have aspirations to be where you are now or was it what was the thought pending at that time? Um, I mean, at the time, Reese was studying and I was working at a zoo, actually. I was work, working like in marketing, but I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do like something more involved in sport. So we were setting up our own personal training business at the time and we'd always wanted to do an Ironman, but we kind of thought, OK, now's probably the time because we're setting up this business. If we've both kind of done an Ironman, then people kind of associate that with you kind of knowing what you're doing if you can complete one of those so that was kind of one of our motives but again it was just the challenge that I'd had enough of training full-time as a swimmer and I needed kind of a big challenge to commit to a new program to kind of find something new to do I guess. Um, we've, we've interviewed a lot of pros this week and a lot of them are saying you know I want to go out there and do my thing and uh, I want to do as well as I can but I'm focusing on the processes the performance etc. I remember I, we sort of interviewed you and wrote 
and you just came across more as a winner. Like, is is an attitude? Are you yeah, like you, you know right. you weren't afraid? Are you here to win, or are you here to perform as well as you can? Like what a lot of the others are saying. I mean, this is the World Championships, and I'm 25, so I haven't really got a lot to lose. I feel like I have got a long career in this sport, so I'm definitely going for the win. If it means I don't finish because I went too hard, well, I've probably got enough years to come back and do it again. So I'm someone that always wants to win. So, of course, it's about doing the best performance you can, but it's about taking risks and and trying to win where you can. This race has become a lot more tactical, particularly because the standard of the women's race is constantly on the rise. So I think tactics come into a lot so if I can kind of just absolutely smash it then I think some of the girls might not be able to cope in it and hopefully yeah that means I can go out there and win it but let's be honest there's an assumption that Daniela is just going to take it is that, <laughs> is that frustrating um I mean I see, I think a lot of girls see it like that I don't see it like that I don't think she's not beatable yeah. I think that I'm constantly improving and those gaps are coming down and I think that if it's not this year I'm going to be able to beat her at some stage um so yeah I don't think she's unbeatable yeah. What was it, when you went to South Africa for 70.3 Worlds, she obviously came past you on the bike and again a lot of people think right she's blast off here and Lucy might stay with her for a bit, um, but you stayed with her the whole way and you looked fantastic on the run, I mean on the bike were you at your limit or were you going this is hard but this is okay? Yeah I think on the bike um, it was kind of a surprise for me to be riding with her but it actually felt relatively comfortable so I was kind of in a position where I was like do I go back round or do I just kind of mm. wait here and I guess for me I wanted to try and win the whole race so I thought well if I can kind of just stay in behind yeah. at a legal distance we're gapping the other girls anyway there's no point in me blowing my legs I want to try and put in a good run and, and see what happens so yeah it was a nice surprise to be able to ride with her but um, yeah I was fairly in my comfort zone as well. We used to talk to Andy Potts, and he, you know he was such a dominant swimmer as well. And and he'd kind of say about you know the advantage it gave him was a bit of time at the start to kind of find himself in the race. Uh, what do you use with that benefit you get for that great swim? Yeah, I think it it really really helps to have a strong swim because you're straight away putting the other girls under pressure, which is what I like to do. It also does put a target on your back though because you're the one being chased. So I think in a way Daniela likes that because for her there's someone out there that she's chasing and I know that she loves a good battle so she's never going to back down and if there's someone out front she's going to chase you till she gets you so um, it can be good fun it kind of means you are in the driving seat but there is that pressure as well because you can only lose the lead so it's kind of only downhill unless you can hang on so um, yeah but I like the position I'm in yeah yeah and we've asked a few people today um, what's your thought processing when you're on when the hurt's coming on on the run or the bike or whenever it might be What's sort of going through your mind to try to keep you, keep yourself going, keep yourself focused? Yeah, I think I'm someone that does like to suffer. I've been a swimmer my whole life. We used to suffer in training every single day. So that doesn't really phase me. But the thing is, when you do get dark moments, which everyone will do in the race, it's kind of reflecting on those really hard times in training where you wanted to stop, but you didn't. You pulled yourself through and knowing this is the world championship. So if you're going to pull yourself through, it better be today. So um yeah, and you know everyone's going to be suffering on that last 10k, so you can kind of take a bit of, um, kind of, I don't know, a bit of pride and happiness in that, that you're not the only one out there suffering and, and everyone's going to be killing themselves at the end, so just hang on that little bit longer. Um, we saw you in Rote this year, and you're very close second place. Um, this is a great race. That <laughs> to, tell us about that race there, because it, it seemed like, you know, you had a good race, but it wasn't perhaps what we thought you might do out there in terms of absolutely smashing it. So tell us about that race and what you sort of learnt from it. 
Yeah, I think, um, I mean, that was my ninth long distance race, believe it or not. So out of the nine that I've done, that was definitely the hardest, like, and the worst I've felt out there. So um, I had a few issues on the day, which was good for me to overcome. I mean, as soon as I got on the run, I just wanted to stop. And I think if I'd actually seen Reese like, in the early mm. kilometres, I would have just begged him to let me stop. Um, he was actually doing a relay, so I didn't see him until the last K on the run, where he told me the gap was coming back down I was closing it and he told yeah. me to push um, and probably if I'd seen him maybe a couple of K earlier I would have pushed on earlier but all in my head it was just to get to the finish line in the end it was kind of survival mode so um, yeah it was a great race I think I'd like to go back there in better shape and actually go there and enjoy it because everyone goes on about it being the most amazing race but I was probably having the most worst <laughs> day ever so I'd like to go there feeling great and actually be able to soak it up a bit more because yeah it really was survival mode for me. How does your year work? You know, obviously in this game, this moment right now is where you want to be peak mentally, physically and all the rest of it. So how do you kind of plan the year to get to this place right now in the right condition? Yeah, it's pretty tough because there's so many races we can do throughout the year. So um, this year has been a bit kind of up and down. I've, I had an initial plan and then I kind of scrapped the whole plan and changed it. I never really planned on racing at Ironman um, the African Championships, but I came into really good form early. So I decided to go and validate early and get that box ticked. So that was good. It kind of freed up my season to go and do more races like Roth that I'd always wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I think it's quite difficult. I think next year we're going to have a slight more structured plan so we can actually peak for those races because because of the new system where you're actually going to have to win the race, everyone's mm. going to be peaking. So if you don't kind of structure your tra training better, then you're going to struggle because everyone's going to be on top form at every race. So mm. you kind of know coming into this race, everyone has peaked for this race. So you expect to race everyone at their top form. But I think we're going to be seeing that a lot more throughout the year now. Mm. A little bit about your fiancé and coach Reese. Um, how's he developed? You obviously sound like you got into this together. Um, how's he sort of developed as a, as a coach and, and, he, and he had a, a good Ironman recently as well? Yeah, I think, I mean, Reese has kind of always been that kind of coach role from the beginning. He kind of took that on his shoulders with his background in sports science. So he's always known what he's doing in that sense. Um, I think Reese could definitely write a book on the bad luck that he's had. I think, um, yeah, if, if you kind of wanted to know anything that could go wrong in an Ironman, he has experienced it. So um, it was good. He raced Ironman Italy recently, and that's the first race where nothing has gone wrong, apart from he did get stung by a jellyfish. There was no extreme reaction, which was good. But um, I think, yeah, he's developing really well as an athlete. And for him, even in that race, he kind of held back a little bit on the bike because he's had so many issues on bikes in the races. So for him, I think his confidence is only going to grow from that. And um, yeah, I think um, definitely don't kind of discount him. He kind of lives in my shadow a little bit, but he's mm. pushing me every day in training. I never can keep up with him, even in the swim. So um, mm. yeah, I think we've got a lot to see from Reese. What, what, about, what about the relationship of the, the partner coach? Because we actually heard, who was the guy we interviewed earlier today? Uh, Patrick Nilsson. And his wife or his partner coaches him. Yeah. And, um, and we're talking about, you know, how do you manage that as a relationship? Because obviously there's times where, you know, he's got to say some hard things and maybe the relationship's a little bit struggling at the moment. How do you guys manage to navigate that well? Yeah, I think, I mean, we met as swimmers, so we kind of, that environment is very intense. So anything now seems less intense than that. And um, I kind of, obviously there's times when we argue and we kind of, but I guess that we argue in a way where we're kind of negotiating what we're going to be doing. So we always come to a compromise, which I think is what works. And um, 
at the end of the day, I know what Reese is doing. He's definitely working with me on the coaching side. So um, it's normally just listening. Is this the coach talking or is this my partner talking? Um, mm. When it comes to moaning at me for not loading the dishwasher, <laughs> then, <laughs> then I know it's not the, the coach. coach. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we have a great dynamic, I think. We had a couple of questions from listeners. Do you listen to music when you train? And if so, what are, you, what are, you, what are your top, top two or three um, playlists or lip songs? Yeah, I think um, you definitely, when I'm doing really hard intervals, you can get more from yourself with good music. So um, I'm a big Eminem fan, so I use nice. him quite a lot. Do you like his new album? Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I prefer his older stuff. Yeah, his but, new album, um, he's a bit too angry. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's also an artist called NF that's similar to Eminem. I really like him as well. He's like a younger, up-and-coming guy. So that's the kind of music that gets me going. But then I also like things like Imagine Dragons. They've got a great new album, which I use a lot of that in my training as well but I will pretty much listen to anything that's going to get me through a tough session I mean if it's a six hour turbo you need a good mix of different music so well, what have been some of you know you're a competitive athlete as a swimmer and now you know competitive Ironman what's been some of the lessons that you know you've learned from Ironman that maybe you didn't know as a swimmer and what some of the lessons that swimming gave you that you think is a real advantage as an Ironman yeah, I think, I mean, swimming's a very solitary sport. Like, you haven't got any social element to it, really. You're just staring at a black line. Whereas I've come into Ironman and you actually can communicate with people whilst you're cycling and running, which is really, really nice. That's kind of, I think I've I've learned a lot from that because it's kind of, training hasn't always had to be, like, very serious. We can't even talk. So, um, yeah, I like that from Ironman. But then I guess Ironman as well is just such a long day. So I, I used to swim the 10K. I did a few 10K open water swims. And the most we would have is like one gel and you didn't really have to think oh when am I going to have this one gel so that kind of thing where you have to say so switched on in an Ironman you didn't so much in in the swimming race you could almost kind of switch off your mind completely so there's a lot less tactics in swimming than there is in Ironman. What do you enjoy the most? Um, definitely the triathlon side of things. Yeah, I just love the variety and the fact that I haven't got to get up at 5am every morning. I yeah. still I still do swim with the squad at home, so three or four times a week I will get up early, but it's nice to get a lay-in as well. Final question, we've been asking pros this. It's a random one. It's a random one. If you go out on the booze and you get really, really drunk, I'm what, sure you never drink. what yeah. sort of a person do you become? <laughs> I'm a real lightweight. I mean, I never, ever drink. So I think, I mean, I tend to laugh a lot anyway, but I just think I become like a silly giggler yeah. uh, until the point that then I just get really tired and probably just like go and sleep. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I can be fun for like five minutes and, and then, then I'll just out. crash. Just, like this guy. <laughs> just, just lastly, you know, nowadays as a pro, there's so much responsibility around social media and the job is much more than just the athlete. Yeah. And, and for a pro athlete, there's always been the other side, but there seems to be a lot more. How much do you enjoy that side? How much is that, you know, how do you kind of navigate that side of the game uh, as for your profession? Yeah, I mean, I think to be a professional athlete now is so much more than yeah. just training. There is the social Hashtag media this. side. Yeah, 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 you have yeah. to kind of be all of that. So I think, I mean, because I did actually work in marketing at Zoo and I was in charge of all the social media, I think that's actually really helped mm. me coming into this. But I do enjoy it as well. But I think it's one of them things that you can really get addicted to. So mm. it's kind of when you switch off, you have to kind of just turn your phone off and leave it because you can just kind of be stalking what everyone else is doing. Mm. And a lot of it is sugar-coated. So. Oh. So we have to work extremely hard and um, there's a lot of times where it's dark, it gets really ugly and none of that, you never really see that. So the truth of it is we work really, really hard oh, and yeah. it's not just like sunny places like Hawaii all yeah. year round. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot to it being a pro athlete. 
So if people want to follow you, what's the uh, best sort of means to do that? Going back to that, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I'm very active on Instagram, which is at LucyCharles93. So, yeah, if you're not following me on there, you can uh, yeah. see all my sugar-coated uh, fun nice. training videos. Put some, do some dark stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start yeah. with the dark stuff. angry ticks, you know, yeah. yeah. Hey, good luck this weekend. Awesome. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Brilliant. That's awesome. How are you? Yeah, good yourself? Very good. Yeah, good, mate. I've got Lionel Sanders here with me. Um, you, you, you've got a, got a great persona, um, <laughs> and I'm sure it's real for who you are. How, do, how important do you think is the persona to the game? I mean, you just be yourself. This is this is myself. So uh, I'm a pretty extreme person. I, I that's I've gotten myself into trouble with that personality, and I've also done the better things in my life with that personality. So uh, it's just a matter of uh, finding out who you are and uh, directing it in the right pathways, in, in positive pathways instead of negative pathways. And so that's all I'm doing. This weekend, how are you feeling right now? Good, man. I'm, uh, you know, if we started the race tomorrow, I'd be all fine with it. So I think that's a good sign that the taper has gone well. Um, really, it's taken me like seven, eight months to wrap my head around going as deep as I went last year in this race. So I'm finally, I think, mentally prepared to go where I went last year or hopefully even a few steps further. What do you mean by that? It took you seven, eight months to wrap your head around. Give us a bit more insight there. I mean, that was uh, the most I've ever suffered in my entire life. So uh, I have like memory loss, basically. Of the second half of the run, I started to think about walking at mile 10. By mile 13, I was starting to walk the aid stations. And by mile 15, the only words that were going through my head were left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. And yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a haze. And so I remember I did Arizona about a month later. And oh, man, my, I was still so deeply fatigued. And just almost almost afraid to go where I went uh, last year. So I'm ready to go again now, and I'm excited to. I'm willing to, and unfortunately, uh, we got a great field here, and that I think uh, is going to force me to go to those steps. What, what did you need to get back to that place? Because it's kind of like the central governor thing, isn't it? You know that we can only go so often. So yeah. so what? How did you get back to the place where you're ready to go there again? I mean, one of the big things is I didn't kill myself too much this year. I killed myself one time in one race, and that was Samarin, uh, the, the championship against Sebastian Keenley. I had, like, lifetime worst swim and rode pretty much even with him, and then had to he had a great run, and I had to run him down. I think I ended up catching him at, like, mile or kilometer 18, and it took everything. And um, I was deeply fatigued after that, but uh, otherwise uh, I didn't really go to those steps anywhere else in racing because I really have just been saving it for now and um, I mean what does it take it just takes uh, uh, an absence from going there and um, and of course you have to get your body and your mind in shape to be able to get there so I certainly have done a lot of hard training in a few sessions I've massaged that muscle uh, but I never go too deep into it because I I'm very confident that when we get there I can go there, I can go deep into there, I don't need to exercise it too, too much. Uh, and so that's the big thing, just not leaving it in practice, not leaving it in races, and getting to the race, having not gone there too much, and uh, just ready and willing, and hopefully you have the right motivation to, to take yourself there. Why are you a better athlete this year? <sighs> I mean, I just really focused on trying to get 1% better in all, all the disciplines, so I think, I, I mean, I'm certainly 1% better in the swim. Uh, on the bike, I've I've done a lot more time trialing. I've honed my position a little bit better. I've honed my equipment a little bit better. So I think I'm one percent better on the bike. Definitely more able to close those final uh, that final hour better. And on the run, I did a lot of quality training with some good runners, um, and just just been working hard. And quite frankly, when I started training with 
for instance, Corey Belmore, the, the 357 miler, uh, I realized how not hard I had been doing my run training. And uh, so there's, I'm really excited for next year, actually, to, to embark upon an entire year of working harder, especially in the run. So, and then nutrition, I just spent a lot of time honing that. I'm certainly 1% better in nutrition. I'm 1%, I think, older and tougher. And, uh, and then I also, uh, from a pacing standpoint, I came here a month early and I've gotten a very good sense of what I can do and what I can expect of myself and what happens to my heart rate and how, if it can come down from those levels. And so I think I have a much better sense of how to pace myself in this race too. So that's a lot of 1% if you add them up. So <laughs> that, that's what I think uh, should be your focus for this race. Who do you see as the most dangerous competitor? Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, Javier is, is, is a rookie, but has won many races on his first try, 70.3 Worlds and Xterra, so you never count a guy like that out. Patrick will most definitely uh, run a 239 or better, uh, so obviously that you should be afraid of that. Who's the guy, though, that I that I think is going to put up a big performance this year? Sebastian Keenley. Mm. I, I really think he's he has, after Samarin, I felt like he was like, I never seen him like that before. Like he was like pretty upset about it, and uh, I think finally um, he's starting to say like, "What the f what the f am I doing this you can for?" Swear. <laughs> um, and 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 I think he's he's gone back to the old the old reasons, the old whys, basically pushing the absolute limit. And uh, so he, to be honest with you, I would say he he's the one who I think is going to be the biggest uh, biggest competitor this We're year. Someone never done saying how with him. Um, Fredino is often a bit of a monkey over his back, and him not having there almost sets him free a bit to this year. So it's another reason as well. Yeah, even that aside, I mean, uh, I just I just noticed a bit of a change in him over the last. Uh, I study him because he's been my basically my hero for the last uh, whatever five six years, and uh, this year I, I definitely sense a change in his his demeanor and everything. And I, I think he's almost like. Uh, it's gotten back to the basics of like I'm gonna come here and I'm gonna rip these guys' legs clean off their body, just like those old 70.3 world performances. If you remember, mm. that's what I sense. So he's the one I'm most. Uh, if I'm afraid of anyone, he's probably the one I'm most afraid of. You, you, you talk, you, you're very good speaking about the journey. You love the journey. Um, what's it like being here as a top pro on the week? You know, like up to race day. You know, there's a responsibility. There's a crowd. What's it like being you this week? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's it's fun. Like uh, I dreamed it. So if you dream it and you start to achieve it, then you damn well be better be ready to uh, to do the things that come with the dream. So here I am doing living the dream, baby. So uh, I, I love it all. I embrace it all, and uh, couldn't be any better. And uh, you know what I mean? Pressure, all these things. It's all irrelevant. That stuff you impose on yourself. So I just don't impose that stuff on myself. I come out here to work hard be one percent better and that's all i can ask of myself and that's what i intend to do just lastly any tips to first timers first timers here or in general yeah here i mean first and foremost just enjoy the day like literally i will be out there laughing out loud and uh enjoying the day enjoying you know if i if i have that privilege again of hearing that helicopter overhead letting that shiver come down the spine and just enjoy it because that's when you'll you're, you're lighter you race better that's the number one thing and then number two is uh, keep on top of that nutrition. You can be in the absolute best shape in the world, and it doesn't matter if you don't provide the fuel, you ain't gonna go anywhere. So uh, those two things will get you a long way. Good luck, we love watching you race, and you're great for the sport, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks, man. Sponsor. Endurance Sports Travel. And uh, Ken Glad, we talked to him this morning, and uh, just pretty cool stuff, really, isn't it? Yeah, here comes Ken. 
I know we're going to do it tomorrow. Are we? Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so, endurance sports travel. But he, 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 he was good fun to talk to. He's always good. Check it out, endurance sports travel. You're going to hear a great interview tomorrow. You're going to hear a great interview tomorrow. They go to Kona. Uh, and just what you're going to hear tomorrow. I don't know what I want to, but just all the extra activities. He was saying all these places. It's really great, wasn't it? That I don't know about. I've been here a lot of times in places that I do not know about. So that was that was cool for your family and for you if you're here for the experience. Uh, post-race, they, they stick around a bit. So you can come out early. You can get yourself acclimatized. You can stick around post-race. Uh, they will be going to Nice. The, the, the thing is they know all these places inside out, especially Ken comes down to Taupo every year. It's when the 70.3 world champs come down. He's going to be a very yeah. hot. He, he know he will have all the places booked out. Yep. He will be onto it. Uh, and the thing with with I met with New Zealand, it is a bit of a hassle to get to Taupo because you can't really fly there. Um, you can, but it's not very. The tiny little yeah. planes. Most overseas athletes fly into Auckland, and then you have to drive down at several hours. So it just takes the hassle out of that. They can do your transfers for you. Uh, and the same at all these other destinations. I'd imagine it's pretty similar at places like Cozumel, Brazil. Um, not the easiest to get around, and these guys can take the hassle out of it all. Uh, and and you know, this morning when we went along, you know, there was lots of people sitting up yeah, having breakfast feel. together. You just you're not by yourself. So. Well, and the other thing which you'll hear in tomorrow's interview that John got ready to start the but is they plan family stuff. Mm. And so you know, like I mean, what you kind of just want your time to yourself a little bit, you, and you know, but they've got events pretty much every day that the family can go away and do. So they're having a core adventure wherever you are in the world. You can just sit back and chill, not feeling guilty because you're a mm. bit of a burden to their experience. And they plan these things in. It's a part of the endurance sports travel so, experience. So if you do get in touch with them, make sure you say you heard about it on uh, I Am Talk. And Ken will be out there doing his 35th consecutive Ironman this weekend. Okay, let's get back into it with the next interview. Okay, we have Patrick Nilsson from Sweden. Uh, can tell us, tell us something interesting about Sweden that... A lot of people don't know. I think that's really hard to find something interesting about Sweden. I mean, it's we can have beautiful summers. Yeah. Um, not too long though, but I mean, 25, 30 degrees. So it's not always cold and rainy, but uh, I enjoy Hawaii more maybe. Yeah. When I was there, they had a lolly that was like coconut white. Oh, yeah, What's yeah. that called? Red and red and white. Ah, um, oh, that's a good question. And polka gris. Yeah, that was polka good. Gris. That was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like that. <laughs> what's the what's the tri scene like in Sweden at the moment? Is uh, the tri scene? Tri- triathlon is it going really well? Uh, is a. I mean, it's a growing sport for sure. Um, we have more and more good athletes, and so hopefully it gets more attention in television, in newspapers, and that's probably the best way to make the sport grow. How about you? What's your profile? You know, most most athletes over there will be, I guess, your winter sports. Mm. Do you have much profile over there, or are you? I mean, again, it's it's growing. Mm. Um, I think it's in most countries it's really hard to compete with football or tennis or mm. swimming for sure in Sweden, cross country skiing. But um, I mean, it's growing, mm. and as long as the sport is growing, it, the profiles for me. Also Lundström, Jesper Svensson, I mean, it, the profiles will grow as well. Huh? Mm. So talk us through some of your races this year, you know, Frankfurt, what was it like in Frankfurt with, with Fredino and, and the others, uh, did it go as well as you'd hoped or was how was your race there? 
Frankfurt was good. I mean, I'm really satisfied with the outcome, the position of the race. Um, I had some problems during the end of the bike with cramps in my inner thigh. Uh, so I had to, during the end of the bike, I usually go to the toilet to pee. Mm. Uh, so this time I couldn't because I had to push a little bit harder to catch Jan and Patrick. Mm. Um, so then during the start of the run, I had to stop to pee. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. I just stood there for like two minutes looking into a wall like, Okay, hurry up, that man. And then you also see Jan and Patrick run away. It's, of course, a big frustration. But after that, I could keep my own pace. And like, okay, yes, I'm really happy with the podium in Frankfurt. So third place would be awesome. And during the last 10K, I got more and more splits. Okay, Patrick is tired. Just keep a good pace and you might catch him. So I did. And with 3K to go, I could see him. Later on, I could catch him and finish second between Jan and Patrick is, I mean, hopefully a good sign. Yeah, it's <laughs> a bloody good sign. <laughs> uh, and, and then maybe tell us about your race here last year. It was seventh or eighth. Um, was that your first race in Kona last year? Yeah. Yeah. So that's n- n- not that many people get top ten their first time. How did that go for you? Again, it. I mean, Ironman is so long, so it's really hard to have eight hours of racing going perfect uh. mm. but um, I mean it was my first year so yes compared to this year this year everything has been a little bit more smooth the preparations the training has been more relaxed more I feel in better shape this year for sure mm. um, then the race last year was I just tried to focus to be in the main pack mm. most of the time uh, to stay in the front pack and the swim I did stay in the front pack on the bike I did and I lost a water bottle in the end of the bike, which made me bike half an hour without anything to drink, which set me up really bad for the run, where I, in T2, just drank everything I could get, which pretty, pretty much like destroyed the stomach for an hour, one and a half, with, I don't know, eight toilet stops. Um, so that was, of course, a big disappointment, but in the end, to finish eight the first year is, is awesome, and mm. I'm really happy for it. How old are you? 27. 27. Mm. And I th- your results I saw were starting from about 2013, 2014. Mm. What were you doing prior to triathlon? I was swimming at a young age, yeah. uh, never at a good level. Uh, but once I started with triathlon, I could swim, I could start with a proper swim session. And just prior to triathlon, I did uh, track and field running. Mm. So I think I had. I mean, I had the swim background, so I, once again I could start with a proper swim session and then having the run as a weapon was for me perfect. Uh, mm. Then of course I struggled more with the bike, but I think for the moment it's, it's okay, it's where it needs to be and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Are you somebody who when you're racing likes to use all your gadgets or do you race more on feel? I've tried to focus more and more on feel during the last period because um, I think that's I mean, that, that's the only thing you can really focus on and do something about if during the race on Saturday, if I feel good the whole way, I know, okay, my shape is good enough to have a good finish. And so I try to focus on the feeling and like, okay, I want to have a good feeling. I want to have a good catch on the, on the swim, out on the bike, okay, sit good, sit aerodynamic, have good power in the legs and, and relax, of course. The same on the run, if you can have a good, smooth 
running, be relaxed. I'm sure the pace will be there as well. What do you focus on when it gets really hard? On the run or, or any time during the race? How do you go from going, oh God, this is hard, this is terrible, it's hard. How do you get out of that and stay focused? I mean, I think every athlete has like small mind games to do. Of course, it's easy to, to find out to find the next goal, if it's the next aid station, if it's the next guy you see ahead, okay, just keep up with him. Um, but then, of course, it's the people you know. Uh, so if I have my coach or girlfriend, Teresa, on the race, it's you can always, okay, I know she will be here. Okay, mm. I just need to get to her. Mm. Just to, to have someone to say hi to or like mm. something. Um, then, then it's always just to find, again, try to find a good smooth technique where you can relax and... Uh, I mean, the, the, that's what I like with Ironman, that it, it's so long, you don't need to like push through lactic acid and like, ah, I just need to survive three more minutes of just going all I can. It's more like a long, never-ending torture. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say your girlfriend is your coach? Yeah. We, we see, I have never heard of a, a female being the male's coach. Sometimes mm. we see it the other way around with, mm. say, Lucy Charles. Mm. Um, has she been your coach for a long time or mm. all the time? Uh, for the last two and a half year. Yeah. Um, yes, I had a Danish coach before for a little bit less than two years. Mm. Then two and a half year I changed to Therese and um, yeah it's working great. How do you manage the dynamic of the coach and the relationship? That can be different. <laughs> yeah, that's different. Guy <laughs> <Lights>, training. <laughs> I think it's good. I mean we both like we have a son now Matteo one and a half years so that of course made our overall life more normal. That okay during the day we can talk work we can talk training but then when he comes home it's it's a normal life I can go and train but we're not talking training when he's home. Mm. Um, then I mean I I have full trust in her in the training and coaching we enjoy to work together and I think it's a fun it's a fun combination that we can do triathlon and business together um, and at the same time she's a nutritionist so she can help me with the food. Um, and then that we, we have the she knows everything about me if I'm tired if I'm sleeping bad she can change the program in just two minutes yeah, she's, get, she's getting real feedback in the moment isn't yeah, she yeah exactly I mean she can go out to the garage and see me on the home train and like ah you look tired let's maybe you should do this and this uh, she can follow me on a bike ride for 10 minutes just to see how I feel and then go back home or join me on a longer one so it's it's perfect mm. it's cool so what's your hope and expectation for the weekend for the race here yeah yeah i mean like we talked about before i try to race with a feeling and um, if i can get to the finish line and like okay i've done everything i could mm -hmm. i had a good feeling i had a smooth race i'm super happy um, one year did yeah, we have a random question we're asking pros mm. um we've been talking about what last night we we're having a discussion around what do you like when you're drunk? We're talking about this as friends. And so we thought we'd ask the pros today, what do you like when you're drunk? When I'm drunk? Yeah. I don't, I don't like alcohol, that's a problem. Oh, so, so you don't drink like, at all? Either like vodka or something, so you get drunk really quick. Oh, really? 
nothing like beer or something that's disgusting <laughs> so you go for the hard liquor yeah then, then you take one or two shots and since i'm never drinking i take half a shot and then i'm drunk <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice. hey well thank you for your time good luck on the race <laughs> thanks mate awesome thanks a lot huso we finally know what's going on with huso we've been speculating in terms of reading their website and you know uh, trying to understand what's going on. We went down there and tested it out and we're going to have a chat to Bill now and you're going to find out how it really does work. Okay, here we go. Right, we're down at the expo now. Well, Bevan's waking up from a little slumber over there. No, he's going back to sleep now. So we're at the, um, the Huso tent. Now, have I pronounced Huso correctly? Um, yes, I've got uh, Bill Flanagan here, so welcome along to the show, Bill. Thank you. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for coming down and checking us out. So first I'm going to describe what Bevan's actually doing at the moment. So he's lying back on a very comfortable chair um, and he had the headphones on and they're playing a sound to him and, and uh, Bill will explain what's the, the, the science and actually what's happening. And then he's got a couple of uh, bands around his wrists and a couple around his uh, ankles that are also connected up to some cables and Bill will explain what's going on there. And uh, he's just lying back and relaxing and we're going to find out how what sort of experience he had. So. Bill, just you know, treat us as laymans. Try to explain what's sort of going on here. Well, HUSO sounds for uh, human sound, actually. So what we do is we have uh, sound healers from sound healing traditions, think tri Tibetan monks, um, Native American, Hawaiians have a real history of uh, chanting as well. And the body really responds well to human voice. So what we do is we have these toners or healers go into the studio. They uh, then record their voices, and then we create harmonics around that tone at different wavelengths and uh, created a delivery system for that. Um, the delivery system is through uh, lossless sound, which means you have a fuller spectrum of the human voice, and the body really responds well to human sound. It's one of the first things we hear in the womb. Um, it's very comforting, can move us from a sympathetic fight or flight stress state to a parasympathetic state, and the parasympathetic state is where you rest, you recover, you heal better. So um, the reason we use the pads on the wrists and ankles, in addition to the auditory with the headphones, is that that oscillating waveform will go through and has a direct uh, connection to the autonomic nervous system through the vagus nerve. So it's almost like flick flicking a switch where you can go from a really stressed state almost instantly to a restful state where you essentially recover better, which is important for triathletes, um, sleep better. And uh, especially heading into the race at Kona, you know, a lot of people have been traveling, they're kind of stressed, they're uh, getting ready for the race. And that's a very kind of, if I speak in kind of, I'm a licensed acupuncturist, I speak in yin and yang, that's a very yang activity. Whereas the uh, tones uh, in themselves are very, uh, can be yin and bring you back to that parasympathetic state. In terms of the actual sound, I, I was reading on your website, it's different to say the way you record the sound to say just uh, somebody putting something together and putting it out on radio or burning it to DVD. Explain how the sound is different. Was it, is it the frequencies or how, how is it different to, to normal sounds? Um, it is different uh, in the fact that, um, well, it's, it's, it's toned. So um, there's a big healing tradition. Uh, some of the toners that we've worked with have been using their voice and healing for over 40 years. Um, and we also take that sound and create a full spectrum of that sound. So the sound is more natural than say um, binaural beats or a digitized sound. Um, there's a lot out, out there. Uh, sound therapy is, is definitely, there's a lot of research. Um, it's a little more than just our, our interview to go into some of the, the a lot of it, but um, essentially what sound does is because we're 70% water, 
uh, between 60 and 75% water. Sound waves travel really well into the body and they can actually affect the vibrational frequencies of your cells. Um, and you know, these days with 5G and Wi-Fi and all these things, we're exposed to a lot of EMFs, which is electromagnetic frequencies that can be harmful. And this is almost a total body reset. So um, we, we encourage people to turn off their cell phones, take off their watches, take off, you know, just get out of that frequency for a little bit, and then recalibrate your, your frequency. And essentially these tones will go in and your body, as I said, that travels through the fascia, the cells will pick up that frequency and start kind of humming along to that. So um, it's, uh, you know, we've had uh, amazing um, testimonials from not only just athletes, but from people all across the board with sleep problems or anxiety problems. Um, and, and, you know, I can't say that we're curing these, 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 these things, but what we are doing which is quite proven, is bringing the body into a parasympathetic state, which you can see from heart rate variability. Um, and in that state, that's where the body is, is doing your, its own work for itself, really. Because so. it's certainly very relaxing. I was only lying there for a couple of minutes, and you feel a lot more relaxed, but it's very hard for us to, to judge what's actually happening on the inside of our body at a cellular level. But there is the science that, you know, I looked into a few things, and I was like, oh, wow, there's, there's definitely some research and science backing it up. For sure. Um, there's uh, a lot of uh, studies, a great documentary on that and how sound affects basically the molecular resonance of cells is Dr. Moto, uh, a Japanese uh, doctor, and they saw that sound and frequency, and in fact intention, can change the whole structure of the molecules of water. So if you can imagine, your body is, is almost like a sponge in that way. Uh, we do. We pick up frequencies. Just look at a concert and see a beat going on, and then everybody starts going to that beat. Well, your cells are a little bit like that when they're exposed to human toning and this type of toning. The, the, ju the judges of this are going to be now interviewed. Uh, one, one, we're going to be going back to our, our unit shortly. We're going to see what sort of mood my wife is in, and because uh, she was down here apparently for about 20 minutes or so, so we'll see what mood she's in when I get back. And I'm hoping you've got her in a fantastic mood, and she's nice and calm and relaxed for the rest of the day. Bevan, you've, you've done a lot of meditation, etc. Tell us uh, about what, what your experience was, albeit brief. Yeah, so um, I, I, meditation is a big part of my daily habit, and I found what it did, because when you meditate, one of the things you experience is that kind of drifting away to another place. Um, and in a good meditation, you drift away a lot, and in a bad meditation, you kind of don't really get there at all. And I found by going through this process, without doing my meditation, because I do a mantra-based meditation, um, it got me there pretty much straight away, and I drifted in and out quite a lot through I did it for 10 minutes, not half an hour, and I was drifting in and out of that kind of deepest state of kind of relaxation, or kind of the place I go to when I meditate. So definitely for me, it really triggered the kind of place I would go when I meditate. And I've meditated for 20 years, so I've got a, a really good habit around meditation. So um, yeah, really, yeah, totally, I totally get the value in it. So what, what, what do you find in terms of athletes using it for strategies? Obviously sleep is number one and just calming people down. But have you guys experienced anybody actually doing it pre-race, pre like you know, on the morning of the race to actually calm down a bit? Right. Well, absolutely. Uh, in fact, but they use, we have 10 programs. So most athletes that do use our, our programs um, run uh, focus or clarity before the events. So it also brings you to a parasympathetic state, but a more uh, mental, one of, with mental alertness. Um, because when in the parasympathetic state, there's a relationship between the hippocampus and the amygdala, basically you are getting changes in the brain. Um, and if you can get into that parasympathetic state, your thinking becomes clearer. 
um, obviously less anxiety, less stress. But So there are different programs, say pre-race and then after the race. After the race, you'd want to run on calm or ground or serenity to kind of calm all that stuff down and um, be able to recover. And we're finding that the same thing actually taking it out of athletics to uh, uh, pre- and post-surgery. Uh, in fact, uh, calming the patients down. A lot of times after surgery, a patient will have this kind of anxiety and uh, really be stressed out on a, on a very deep level in their body. And so these tones can actually help restore that parasympathetic uh, state as well. Pre-race. I mean, we're, we're going to be down there on Saturday. <laughs> it is, you can just see the tension. So it can be hugely valuable. I think airports is another market for you. Um, pre- pre-flights, I think airports would be huge. Awesome. We're going to give this a, a bit more of just In terms of the logistics of it, you know, how long do people... You know, I was only only for a couple of minutes. Bevan was there for 10 minutes. What's your sort of protocol? Uh, and is this something people do on a daily basis? Or what's your sort of uh, recommendations? Well, we recommend when people first get the unit that they just do one program at first. Run on it once a day. It's 30 minutes long. Uh, some uh, programs have three tones that are repeating, uh, that uh, repeat for 10 minutes each, uh, so for a total of 30 minutes. And there's some other tones, like the one that you round on ground, which is a continual 10-minute track three times. Um, 30 minutes is a good dose of uh, the sound therapy, and um, essentially uh, some athletes will run on focus and clarity before an event and calm after. Uh, but you know, rec- recommended uh, you know once a day and uh, or you know four times a week. But it's a great uh, 30 minutes. And like Bevan said, you know, uh, a 20-year practice in meditation is quite. But that takes a lot of time and focus and discipline. Whereas with this, this can get someone to that state um, really quickly. Uh, now you're an ex-athlete yourself. So t- <laughs> what year were you here? I was here. I did the race in 1999. And uh, it, was a, it was a lead up. I'd done uh, Ironman Canada in 1996. And so uh, I think that was just, I think when I did Canada, Speedos were still in. But uh, then, uh, you know, it was the old school. I think some people in 99 were still doing the race in Speedos. But um, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's a remarkable course. Always great to come back to Kona. Um, I don't know if it's more difficult, you know, and more uh, more charge coming in as an entrepreneur or, or a racer. But uh, definitely, you know, we had the setup here. With, we had some rain last night during the uh, parade. Yeah, and so uh, my tent held up pretty well, so that was cool. But uh, I, I didn't think about, we were out for dinner, I didn't think about the parade happening during that rain. That, oh, no. Um, the event must be massively different. So I, I first came in 2004, no, 2005. And we've been coming since about 2010. Must be massively different to when you came. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the you know, it's still the same vibe. And, and Kona's obviously grown a lot, but it's a great feel over here. Um, the course was a little bit different. I kind of missed that old course where you, you used to finish transition down near Keohoe. Uh, you know, the, the bike transition was different. You ran out into the pit and then came through. Um, but I think logistically, you know, now that the course has changed, they've been able to accommodate more racers. Um, but it's, it's a wonderful event. It's, it's great. It's, it's real special for me coming back here now as an entrepreneur. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, Kona just has a special place. I think for anybody who's been over here, even watching the race or, you know, and, and obviously doing the race and, and, and volunteering. Uh, you know, I came over, you know, and volunteered the first time before I'd done the race. That was in 1994. Dave Scott came back at 40, good second. Greg Welch won that year, um, but yeah, I, I just I remember just standing on uh, Lee Drive, and I went went out to out towards the Energy Lab at you know right at sunset and just seeing the runners. And I was like, I got to do this, you know, and and I just you know it gives you goosebumps just thinking about it. It's great. 
Awesome. So if anybody's in Kona, make sure you come down and check this out. Um, we've been plugging the website and the special promo code you guys will have heard. We'll do so again at the end of the show. Uh, so check it out, guys. Uh, it's, you know, especially if you're someone that's either struggling with sleep or you get really anxious before races. Um, but I think across the board, this can be awesome. So check it out. This is huso.com. Um, and thanks for your time, Bill. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot for dropping by. Okay, now we're just going to start putting some of the age group interviews that we've done with some of the listeners of the show, so check them out right now. Your name and where you're from? Uh, it's Tony Weeks, and I'm from uh, Seven Oaks, uh, just outside London, England. Oh, patron nice. of the show as well. What's your, I, what's I your nickname? Have we given you a nickname yet? Uh, do you know, no, I haven't got one, but I, I sent a revealing picture in, so I thought it might come from there. Yeah, oh. yeah. Long okay. Long Dong? Do you know what? Years ago, when, when I first, oh, it's a long time ago when you were doing this, uh, I was it was long long train running or something and I had no idea why. Oh, something to do with the Doobie Boys, you know, yeah. like long tra- you know, yeah. But what's that got to do with Tony Weeks? Well, you you, you look like a it Doobie do- brother. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't need to have any relevance at all, does it? I guess. Okay, what's your, I've got? To, I'll do an official cap presentation now. What's your fastest Ironman time? Uh, in Kona or whatever? No, anywhere. Nine thirty one. Nine thirty one. Silver cap. Silver is the best color. And some extreme endurance fuel five. Uh, good stuff. So you've been here before? Yeah, 2015. And how did your race go that time? Uh, 9.56, so oh, I, was, I was pleased. But I've, uh, I've aged up a group, and uh, if I can get anywhere near that this time, I'll be more than happy. And if you get anywhere near that, um, what kind of ca- where would you get within your age group? Uh, well, I was 47th in, in the 45, cat- no, 44, no, 40 to 45 category last time. Uh, a similar time is going to be like 20th or something. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be wrapped with that. Uh, so how long have you been at this game, Triathlon? Uh, about 2012, started listening to you guys early on and then uh, figured, yeah, yeah, worked my way up through the races and first Ironman was 2013, Sweden. And what do you do for a job? What's your nine to five and, uh, and do you have your family or anything like that? What's your home set up? Uh, well, it's not so much nine to five, but I'm a firefighter. So uh, I do shifts uh, and I've got a wife and two kids who are coming out tomorrow night. So uh, big holiday. So what's a firefighter shift like? Uh, two days, um, and then followed by two nights. But then you get four days clean off. So I mean, if you kind of uh, if you get to sleep through the night, you've kind of got six days out of eight where you can train, and it's uh, it's actually a very very good job for uh, for this game. And how often do you actually get to sleep through the night? Uh, depends if you're central London. Not that often, but I'm on the outskirts now by choice, and uh, yeah, sort of fifty fifty. Uh, but it's not too bad. You've done this race once before, and you and it seems like you performed to your ability on that day. Most people don't the first time they come here. So why do you feel you did? Well, I don't. I, I don't think I had the perfect race last time. Uh, the swim went well. The the bike went really well. Um, and I think if you're fortunate enough to get out on the Queen K early, you kind of you, you don't get the full extent of the wind. Um, the run coming out the energy lab, lots of cramping, uh, but still put in a reasonable run. I think really, um, don't, d- just don't apply your usual nutrition. Uh, you, you really got to get out here and practice the nutrition. Uh, you're going to need more fluid, uh, and you're going to need more carbs. Uh, I mean, I'm a fat-adapted athlete, but I, I still know you've got to race high when it comes to carbs, and, uh, and you've got to practice it. If you don't practice it, you can't leave it to race day. And I think getting out here for a little bit longer earlier on, putting it into practice, making sure it works, that's, that's the advice, really. Yeah. And in terms of actually getting here the first time, you said you sort of worked your way through the ranks. Everybody wants to figure out the key to getting here. 
what what was it? What worked for you in terms uh, of uh, was it was it was a steady progression, or was there anything that really helped you to get to the next level? Well, my first Ironman, I was probably about ten minutes off qualification, and that made me think, well, it's definitely possible. Uh, and then I took a non-branded race the year after. I did a, the Outlaw, big big one in the UK. Yeah and uh, really sort of took that time and thought, well, if I did something like that at, say, Frankfurt, which is a similar course, uh, I should be okay. And I use uh, Torsten's uh, try rating, and I kind of thought, do you know what? Yeah, the, the numbers stack up. If I have a reasonable race, I should be okay. So I, I targeted Frankfurt. Uh, it had a lot more of, um, slots in my age group, although they did reduce it about a week before. Uh, and it was a uh, 2015 super hot race. Lots of people struggled, and I think what, what did it for me was I kind of thought, do you know what, I just need to finish this, it's really, and I didn't, I didn't push too hard, and I think I learned a lot from that, you know, it's true what they say, race within yourself, uh, don't try and race anyone else, and if you've got your family, uh, you know, standing there saying, you're actually third or fourth in your age group, you can make some decisions, and exactly the same, Wales last year, I had a good friend of mine uh, standing on the uh, on the curb saying, "Yeah, you're, you're second coming off the bike, and uh, your last slot's probably seventh. He's half an hour behind you, and then you can make some sensible decisions." So, yeah, pick the race that suits you. So, Wales this year, where I live, loads of hills, Wales, loads of hills, and uh, and then really you can you can do a lot of research these days and work out you know where you stand your best chance. So, yeah, play your cards. What are some key training sessions that you do? You know, obviously your schedule is not going to be applicable to a lot of people, but what are some key workouts that you do that uh, you that really help you to know you're on track? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm a, a big user of Training Peaks, and uh, in the last couple of years, I started coach. Since the last Kona, I started coaching a couple of age groupers, two of which are coming next year, uh, and we, we pretty much do the same thing. We're very much, you know, uh, if you can swim reasonable anyway, it's two swims. Uh, two runs and uh, two or three bikes and it's very much a you know there'll be a long easy uh, usually a group ride but uh, essentially you've got to be in the right group um, there'll be some vo2 cycling and running uh, and and I'm very much a sort of 80% of the easy 20% of the hard and try and cut out the middle until you get towards the end where you want to be specific so yeah very much uh, make the hard stuff hard make the easy stuff a lot easier than you think uh, and then just get as specific as you can towards the end, and, and that seems to work. Uh, a successful day for you on the weekend is what? Um, I guess uh, coming higher up in my age group than I, than I did last time, uh, and, uh, and if, I can, if I can get under 10 hours again, I'd be really happy with that, but it's all down to the weather. Yeah. yeah. One question we're going to be asking the pros today is... Um, what sort of a drunk are you? When you get really oh, boozed, right, yeah. what, 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 how do you act when you get really, really drunk? I'm everybody's friend. Uh, I'm the least aggressive. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an all or nothing. I don't drink a lot, uh, but when I do, it, it's, uh, it's rare, but it, but it goes messy. Well, hopefully you get messy after the race this weekend. Oh, I'm planning that. <laughs> hey, good luck on the weekend, mate. Yeah, Thank cheers, man. Time. Thank you. Your name and where you are from? My name is Volker Voigt, and I'm originally from Germany, and I lived in the Netherlands the past years. What nick we gave you a nickname a few weeks ago, do you recall what it was? I actually don't, because oh, you were in discussion what the nickname should be, so I, I can't really remember <laughs> I'll uh, to, I'll what it was. I'll look it up was. on my spreadsheet and we'll give you a shout at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. How, I, I always get intrigued when we have European listeners that manage to understand us, especially we had somebody from Sweden this morning. Yeah. And 
do you manage to understand us okay? I do because I had so much training listening to the podcast. So I think by, ah. by, by, by now I'm, I'm quite used to the accent. So. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. So you came here last year as a spectator. Yeah. And it, so how did you get here this year? How did you qualify? Uh, I qualified in uh, Maastricht. Uh, in uh, the Netherlands yeah. and uh, uh, it was good because it was the second last race uh, where you could qualify in Europe and because I changed my Instagram account name last January to Kona 2018 oh wow so I that's my that's the, the account 2018 Kona is, uh, wow. is my Instagram name and so that put me a bit under pressure that I had to qualify this year <laughs> <laughs> so. and how did you, you had a great day that day yeah, it was uh, it was uh, pretty much uh, a perfect race. Uh, um, uh, a good swim, uh, extremely strong bike. Uh, the third overall bike split in uh, in the race. Wow! And uh, um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. I was speaking to you before, and I said, kind of, how do you hope to go on Saturday? And you said you want to bike 4:40, and then you don't care. So, yeah. So so. What does it mean for your race? Because there's a high chance you'll blow up, maybe, or in the run, or I did I did quite some uh, hot races uh, so far. Uh, also, Challenge Roth this year was quite hot, yeah. and I did uh, a 4:37, I think, in in, in Roth. And uh, um, uh, now I did uh, a couple of longer training rides here uh, in, uh, in in Kona, um, also with an aero helmet uh, um, to test how the heat will affect uh, wearing an aero helmet. And uh, um, uh, I must say, I feel quite good. Yeah and uh, um, I think I can push hard on the bike and still manage to have a relatively decent run to uh, not uh, walk uh, the whole Queen K. So you're sharing a, a house with Joe Skipper, I believe. Yeah. Well, what advice has Joe given you for, for your day? Oh, I think the, um, the best advice uh, um, I got from, from Joe is just uh, uh, don't kill yourself on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what I did this week with him together, because uh, um, uh, I was very, uh, uh, felt very honored to be able to, to join Joe for his uh, his last training sessions here on the uh, uh, the island. But uh, I can tell you, if you are an age grouper and you, you train with one of the best pros in the world, you get very humble in what is your performance yeah, level. You really do, don't you? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's an ex, isn't he? Yeah, I think he has great chances for Podia this year. Uh, what 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 do you do for work? Uh, I worked uh, uh, until uh, the end of August uh, for uh, the furniture retailer IKEA uh, and had okay. uh, 14 years of uh, great career there. Yeah. And uh, then I quit to uh, take a break. So um, I will now take six months off. Oh wow! And uh, uh, will most likely spend my winter in uh, Thailand uh, training with uh, Jürgen Zack and the team there. Cool. Uh, and then uh, uh, on the way back to Europe in February, I signed up for the 70.3 Dubai, where I hope I can qualify for Nice. What do you need to be all careful of? Because often when we've had a work life, yeah. in some ways it gives us some control with our training. Yeah. And then when we don't work, sometimes that can almost be a problem, eh, John? Mm. Oh, it was, uh, um, I had a, a very bad job for training because uh, uh, I was responsible uh, working with the expansion in Southeast Asia and Australia. Oh, wow. So I was flying uh, every two, three weeks between Europe and uh, South Asia. Uh, so my colleagues knew that if I travel with them, uh, they need to take a second taxi because I will have a bike case with me every really? time I travel. Wow! Um, so that's that's the way how I try to keep up my training. So everywhere I'm flying, I was taking a bike with me, uh, and uh, um, that's it's nice. I was cycling all over the world, uh, but it's it's tough to find the time for training. Uh. You, you had a friend, I think, that you were trying to qualify with as well. Uh, yes. Did he qualify? And yes. tell us about him. Oh, he's, uh, he's, he's my training buddy, uh, Tom Osterdijk, 
uh, um, he uh, did his first Ironman in uh, uh, Maastricht and qualified on the first one, wow. running a 307 uh, uh, marathon. Age group of the week, wasn't it? He's, yeah, yeah, he was yeah, age group yeah, of the yeah. week, exactly. I uh, suggested him. Yeah. And he's here on the island as well, uh, uh, getting ready. Uh, we did some sessions together and uh, um, I think uh, he has a good chance of being the fastest Dutch. Really? Because there's no Dutch pro uh, racing. And uh, for him, of course, he's thinking about turning pro in uh, maybe two years. And uh, um, uh, so if he gets the fastest uh, Dutch guy on the island, that, of course, will be a big push also in the help of finding sponsors and so on. So I'm very happy to be with him here. Yeah. So what's your background in terms of, obviously, a very fast cyclist. What's yeah. your background? You you're look like a slightly bigger guy. Um, what's your background in cycling? Uh, none. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no sports background. I, I only my, I bought my first road bike in uh, October 2015. Wow! And I have no no, no background. I was uh, uh, partying and uh, drinking and smoking a lot before, <laughs> yeah. and then turned around my life in November 2015, signing up for the uh, challenge uh, Thailand uh, Phuket at that time. Yeah. Uh, How did that happen? As, as very often in, in, in man's life, when you change something, it, uh, uh, it had to, something to do with the women. <laughs> so uh, we, we, we broke up and uh, I decided I had to change something. I was very unhappy at that time and uh, um, I just found happiness in triathlon and uh, wow. look back with uh, that was maybe the best decision I've ever did. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, success for you on the weekend is what? I think you've already answered it, but what, what, what is success for you on the weekend? On the weekend, uh, you mean on the race? Uh, success for me is when I finish the race and I can still smile. Uh, and uh, when I uh, will be, I have a small hope for a top 10 bike split in my age group. Uh, that is my, my goal. Um, but I don't want to uh, walk more than the eight stations. Uh, and uh, if I manage that, uh, then I'm, I'm happy. The swim is, uh, is something where I'm very, very bad in. Um, I swam four times in the last four weeks, okay, nice. uh, which is like my average training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the only times when I swam more than 3K was during Ironman races. Okay. So, um, uh, um, yeah, being happy on the finish line is, I think, the success. Well, good luck on the weekend, mate. Thank you for your Thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. Okay, John. Day three of the Iron Talk 2018 Kona Super Specials. It's, uh, things that... Things that Quieting down a little bit now, aren't they? They are. A few less people on the road uh, this afternoon. We had uh, brunch, lava java. I can recommend the eggs Benedict. Uh, it was very tasty. Was it? It was on a croissant with a bit of ham, eggs, and a nice hollandaise sauce. Very tasty. Mm. Got me, got me filled up. We're off tonight. We're off to uh, the awards, not the awards. The the sort of pre preamble, pre dinner. They still got cabalode. They do kind of welcome dinner, and that's where Scott Molina and Aaron Baker and Co. Uh, they, they've already been inducted into the Hall of Fame last night. So they had a night. ceremony last night. They, that was sort of the official ceremony. But tonight, as we kind of release it to the to the. To the the greater audience. And what's really cool is Scott Molina and Aaron Baker very much would feel very privileged to ask us to be a part of their table. Mm. So we're, we're very important. We're VIPs tonight, John. We are Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. Yeah. So Can guys, you name the song? Sorry? Can you name the song? No. Ice, Ice Baby. Okay. Oh, come on, Percy. Yeah, I do know. I just yeah. don't know the lyrics. <laughs> so if you're coming over to Kona, go check out Lava Java if you're here. Um, while we're on, on route to Lava Java, make sure you pop your extreme endurance. So make sure you recover oh, from I love uh, your sponsorship your with you, mate. Love it. What about the patrons? And, and our patrons. So thank you to all you guys. Make sure we're over here. We work our butts off for you guys to get you as much content as possible. And uh, post-race, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you want to support what we do and uh, feel like you're part of the team, go to imtalk.me. And just a couple of little quick things. Um, John is running a camp in Kona. 
I am. So I'll be back here in May next year, going over the 70.3 course. Uh, also checking out all of the Ironman course, checking out the rest of the island. We have a great time. Alternatively, if you do want to come over to France, I'm going to have a, ca a camp in France in July, going point to point from one end of the Pyrenees to the other, and uh, you'll get to feel like a Tour de France rider. Good times. You can also check it out of other podcasts, sorry. Uh, Legends of Triathlon. Go to legendsoftriathlon.com. And once again, thank you to all the patrons. If you want to be a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me. Now, tomorrow in tomorrow's show, we're going to kind of do our, our picks and kind of talk through the race in a bit more detail. But, John, we were kind of just walking to the car earlier today. And we're just kind of saying, it's going to be pretty interesting racing, isn't it? It is. And, and I think... Um Lionel Sanders, not Lionel Sanders, Sebastian uh, Keenlay made some good points there. You know, there's so many different dynamics now. In the past, you maybe had like a crowy and you go, if he hangs in there, probably going to win it. But I think coming off the bike, you're not going to quite know what's going on. Often the race is all over by then. Yeah. But, you know, if you've got Keenlay and Worth. Sanders and Wirth and those guys up the road by five to ten minutes doesn't mean it's all over. There's enough running pedigree to come through. You don't know the Gomez factor. Um, you don't know if Patrick Langer can run another 239. And I know we're being a bit sexist here not talking about the females race, but the males race for the win is, is more interesting. And uh, Lucy Charles, and she, I love, like you heard the interview with her, she's a confident young girl. You know, mm. I love, I love, she, she backs herself. Yeah, I, I kind of, we haven't talked to all the pro females, so we haven't talked to Sarah Crowley and, and one or two of the others, but I firmly believe she's the only one who's got even remote chance of uh, beating... Unless uh, Daniela Reef. doesn't perform. Yeah, totally. Yeah, if she yeah. bows, But if Daniela Reef is at 100%, don't think anybody can beat her. If she's at 95% and Lucy Charles is at 100%, I think she's got a chance. Whereas the others, I just don't think they're backing themselves enough. Yeah. It is, like, as much as I'm gutted Fredino's not here... It, it does make it a more interesting race. Mm. You know, now, you know, if Fredino, again, if Fredino's at 100, you're putting your, your house on him. Mm. Um, but, Jesus, it's fascinating. Oh, yeah. It's a, such a, I was just watching and sitting at the conference and you're thinking, just the dynamics of the guys you have in front of you, particularly in the men, uh, the guys you have in front of you, how the race, you know, and, and Gomez is just the unknown entity, isn't he? Yeah, he is. One other thing I will say, um, just going off topic because I just remembered it now, I had a quick chat with Michael Lovato. We'll probably put that on tomorrow's show. Yeah. Those of you who don't know him, he is. Oh, did you interview him? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah, so he's one of the presenters of the, the coverage. And so I sort of said, you know. He does a great job too. does a great job. Mm. What can we expect? And he said, well, I'm still, I don't know everything yet, but they're going to have six cameras out there. Great. Normally there's two. Yeah. ASO are doing the, the coverage. Who's totally. ASO, John? ASO, film, they own and run Tour de France and several of the other. They major, own Tour de France, do they? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, wow. and several of the other major tours. Uh, so you think they're gonna? I think the game is going to be lifted significantly. But he also goes through and, and and I said, look, give people a bit of reality check. What it's some of the conditions you guys have to deal with. You know, sometimes there's not. <laughs> mobile phone coverage they can't get the pictures back yeah. things like that uh, so but I think the coverage it looks like it's going to be a lot better and as long as the platform stays stable yeah because there was a one down for the 7.3 wheel chips wasn't it it was mm. just a little bit unstable on Facebook um, but if that you know with six cameras we're going to have one on, we have one on the leader and we'll have I guess one on probably second or third and then another one roaming I think we're going to see some really well, good well that's what's really interesting because traditionally we've actually been pretty happy with Kona Mm. In the coverage, you know, like it would be nice at times if, and when the, the split screen, that definitely helped because they used to mm -hmm. kind of sometimes sit. But, you know, traditionally we've kind of said, you know what, we're pretty happy with it. Um, we'll be interested to see what the next level is. And the app coverage is getting better, so you kind of get a better feel for where it's all at. So thumbs up, I'm am. You're heading in the right direction. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, so we're going to be back tomorrow for day four of our Kona Super Specials. And then obviously race day is not far away. John, let's wrap it up.
Ayn Rust. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.